Cusick. Not just a word, a movement, a mindset, and a podcast. Welcome to Fusick. All right, everybody, welcome to the Fusick podcast. It is bright and early at 6 a.m. on a Friday morning. We're in the studio about to record for the millions of listeners here. How you doing, TJ? I'm doing great, Craig. I am doing great, man. It's a little deja vu. I'm sitting in, uh, well, I'm in a studio and you're in a studio, right? But I'm in the same studio that I was in. I'm sitting in here in Atlanta when uh, we did Katie uh, Katie Johnson. I'm almost certain I'm in the same hotel room. Oh, wow. Which is, which, yeah, it's a little deja vu going on here. That's the weird. Same time. Yes. Well, I'm in, uh, I'm in um, Highland Avenue uh, studio right now in Lombard, Illinois. In a there you go. Sweet, sweet 531. So it's pretty sweet in here. Yep. Five, five years ago, would you ever think you're in Illinois? No. 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 That's crazy, isn't it? No, definitely not. And I'm getting used to the cold and it's scary. Ah, it's I'm, good. I'm not really liking you. the fact that I'm not minding the cold as much anymore. I need some need some 100 degree heat and water in my life. That'll come. You'll appreciate it so much when you get it. That's right. That's right. Well, well who do we have on the podcast today? TJ? Yeah, buddy. We have Steven Stone, territory recruiter uh, with Dave Adams and company. Uh, and Steven, how you doing this morning, buddy? I'm doing great, man. It's, uh, it's a chilly morning up here in, uh, in PA, but it's, uh, it's a great morning. So that's, that's all we can ask for. Nice. Well, before we get into the bank, are you a Pittsburgh Steelers fan? <sighs> man, I am or not. Or a Philly Eagles you know, it's going to be crazy, but I'm actually a 49ers fan. Ah. Well, I respect that. I respect that. <laughs> I respect anybody who's not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. <laughs> I'm sorry out there, everybody, if you are that way. But, um, if, you are that, well, if you are that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, Stephen, we're excited to, uh, to get to know you in these next 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, we're going to let you ride, buddy. Why don't you share right. with us, you know, what, who you are and uh, your, your Fusick story, bud? Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I just want to start out by saying uh, I'm very excited to be doing this. Uh, you know, I had talked to, uh, <clears throat> to Dave Adams and, um, and Colby Thatcher, too, about it. I know that she was on the podcast, and uh, I'm just really honored to be a part of this. So thank you guys for having me. Well, you're Great. you're uh, speaking in company of two amazing people right there. So yes, you know if those two people yeah. you know referred you, then it's going to be a special one. That's for sure. <laughs> I hope so. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, I um, you know, I guess the the long and short of the backstory is I grew up. Um, I was born and raised in uh, Long Island, New York. Uh, grew up there until I was, you know, like ten, I guess, and we moved out to Pennsylvania. Um, I had a brother and a sister. Um, my parents divorced when I was like, I guess I was 11. Uh, so it was about a year or so after we moved to Pennsylvania. Uh, so, but I think it's, yeah, it was a typical growing up story. I mean, I, I have no complaints about my childhood. Uh, we, um, I had two loving parents. Uh, you know, my mom Oh man, she was one of the strongest women in the world. She uh <clears throat> she really raised the three of us kids. Uh her and and my grandfather, you know, her dad, uh who kind of really stepped up to the plate after the divorce. 
my, um, but my dad and I were best friends. Um, you know, so it wasn't like he was an absent father or anything. Like he was, he was my guy, uh, for forever. Um, I, uh, I struggled through high school, I think. Uh, and I could sit here and tell you it was, oh, the divorce and everything else, but it was just me being a, a knucklehead teenager. Um, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't really know coming out of high school what I wanted to do, so I uh, I joined the Navy. Um, you know, I served in the Navy for a couple years. Uh, got out. My my contract expired really uh, shortly before nine uh, eleven, um, <clears throat> and then uh, <clears throat> you know, just like I think almost every American, you know, every uh, everybody wanted to do something after nine eleven. Uh, everybody needed to help out somehow, so I uh, I actually re-signed with the Navy Reserve. Um, I went down to the recruiting center and just yeah I, I had a I was working at that point, so I didn't want to do something full time again. I didn't want to go away, you know, for three or four years again. So I um, I did the reserves and I really loved it. Uh, it was it was awesome just to be a part of something that was. That was helping, uh, you know, move the country back in, in the right way, in the right direction again. I um, I messed around in, uh, as far as my career goes, I, I messed around in some dot-coms. Uh, you know, that was right around the dot-com boom. Uh, I was working with uh, Earthlink and, you know, America Online and all these different dot-com companies. Um, and then I finally found a... Uh, an installation company, actually, uh, where I became a project manager. And um, we, uh, we had a big contract. Our, our biggest contract was, you guys probably have heard of Dippin' Dots Ice Cream. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Uh, that was what, they were our biggest client. And uh, basically what we did for them was uh, we, you know, you go to an amusement park and you see the kiosk. You go to the mall and you see the kiosk. We built those kiosks for them. Um, Yeah, so we we built them and then installed them, uh, you know, put them together. So the company that we were working for, um, or that I was working for, ended up going out of business. Um, Yeah, it's just some financial things came up with the owners. And so my friend at the time, uh, Jason, and I picked up the pieces and and restarted the business ourselves. Um, And it was going really, really great. Uh, it really was. It was awesome. Um, we were traveling. Man, I was all over the United States. Lego. I remember doing Legoland out in California. Um, we were in a mall in Dallas, Texas, uh, and it just happened to be the same week as the, uh, the, I think, I guess it was like the 35th anniversary of, of JFK's assassination. So I got to be there for yeah, the big parade they did and the memorial thing they did. It was just really awesome to be able to be a part of stuff like that, you know, that I would have, if I wasn't traveling for work, I probably would never have been there. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, things were going great. Like I said, I was, I was 23. I was a business owner. Um, all the friends in the world, I was making great money. I had a awesome Mustang. Uh, you know, I thought you were going to say an awesome, I thought you were going to say an awesome mustache. (laughs) No, 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 I did not have that. I was going to say, you are my hero. Yeah. That would have uh, been epic. That would have been. If this was maybe a 1970s podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, but no, I I was living on top of the world. Um, And then uh, 
And then 2004 came, and um, a lot changed that year. Uh, my, um, so I already told you, my, my dad and I were, I mean, we're as tight as any father and son I've ever known. Um, you know, I, I say it all the time to people, but he was, he was legitimately my best friend. And, uh, you know, we told each other everything, probably too much that, that I'm looking back on it. Um, but, uh, we, um, we were, we were just that tight, um, you know, and, uh, March, March 28th, um, he was, uh, I was away on a business trip, uh, doing a Dippin' Dots stand in, uh, in Roanoke, Virginia. And, um, I was supposed to go golfing with him that Sunday. Uh, and, and like I said, the business trip came up kind of last minute on Friday. So I had a, I had a, you know, bail on it, but, um, we were driving to Roanoke and I, we lost reception and, you know, this was 2004. So not that cell phone reception is great now, but it was really bad back then. Uh, and, um, I had no reception for a while while we were going through, uh, you know, West Virginia and into, you know, that area. When I finally got reception back on my phone, um, <clears throat> I had three voicemails and, uh, so I checked them quick and, one was uh, from this guy, Buddy, uh, who had uh, taken my place in the golf outing that, that Sunday. And the message was, you know, Stephen, uh, you know, your dad's had a heart attack. I need you to get here to, uh, to the hospital and meet us there. So, I'm, you know, my mind's racing now. Uh, I, I hit the next voicemail, and it's my mom. And she says, Stephen, you know, you need to call me right away. Uh, you know, something's happened. The third voicemail is, is Buddy again, and he said, Stephen, you know, we're on our way to the hospital. I'm in the ambulance with your dad. He's asking for you. Uh, you're the only person he wants to see. Can you get to the hospital? So I am, by this point, I'm, I'm losing my mind. Uh, I called my mom back, and um, she, she acted so strange, I remember. She, uh, she was like, hey, is... Um, is Jason in the car with you? And I, you know, he was my business partner at the time. And I was like, well, yeah. She's like, well, can you put him on the phone? She's like, I, I need to talk to him. And I was like, okay, this, this seems odd. Uh, <clears throat> so I gave him the phone and, um, I was staring. I remember staring at him and just watching, like, as they're talking, my mom and him, uh, his expression just changing dramatically. Um, and he hangs up the phone and I'm staring at him and I'm like, you know, what's, what the heck is going on? And he, uh, he says, you know, Stephen, um, your, your dad's passed away. Uh, he, he had a heart attack and, and he didn't make it. Um, and, and like I said, you know, I'm, I'm 23 and, and I, it, for all intents and purposes, I'm, I'm still a kid, you know, uh, and, uh, this was a, this was huge. I mean, this hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, like I said, not only because he was my dad, but this was, this was my best friend in the world. Uh, I got on a plane that night and, and flew back home um, from Roanoke back to, back to PA. Uh, and I remember just being a train wreck in the airport and on the plane and everything. It was, it was a mess. Um, <clears throat> that's a tough flight to take. Yep. That is tough. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I get back, you know, and, um, 
start dealing with all that. And I, uh, <clears throat> my dad loved my Navy uniform. Like he loved me in my Navy uniform. So, you know, I wore that to, I remember wearing that to his funeral. I got up and gave his eulogy. Um, and, and, you know, those are memories that, uh, were hard, but there are things that I was really glad that I was able to pull myself together to do, um, to, to be able to, to honor him in that way. After, after all that, um, things started settling down, uh, again, you know, after a couple months, I was still not re- I wasn't, I wasn't myself still, you know, I wasn't going out. I wasn't doing things. Uh, I was kind of keeping it myself for a while. And then, um, September rolls around and, uh, same year, you know, 2004. And, um, <clears throat> it was September 26th. It was a, it was another Sunday. It was actually six months to the day, uh, that my dad had passed away. And, um, my, my younger brother who was 17, uh, his name was Sean and his friend, Nick, who was also 17, were over at my house. And, um, uh, a, a young lady, a friend of ours had picked us up. Uh, she drove over and came and picked us up and we were going to see the new house that, that my brother and I were moving into, uh, a week later. And, um, on the way back from that house. So we, we got there, we, I showed my brother around the house and everything, uh, showed our friends on the way back. Um, the uh, the young lady who was driving the car uh, was was going fast. I would say, um, I yeah. You know, I, I the last time I remember looking down at the speedometer, we were doing like eighty five uh, in a forty. Um, yeah, uh, and I remember you know the three of us in the car. Um, you know, his friend, my brother, and myself kept telling her, you know, slow down. We don't. What the heck is wrong with you? Kind of thing, um, and. Uh, <clears throat> we we came around this bend on this road and we uh you know she crossed the center line and we almost hit a i remember distinctly a black van a big black van almost crashed into it head on she was able to cut the wheel pretty hard to the right um to avoid it which thank god but uh she started losing control and you know shaking the wheel back and forth and you know, long story short, we ended up uh, w- sailing up an embankment. Um, I, we broke through like two trees and a telephone pole and then rolled uh, an estimated, I think they said like nine times uh, down, the, down the road. Um, somehow, some way, I never lost consciousness during this. Uh, and uh, I remember when we came to rest, I... I, I realized two things uh, immediately. One, I was alive, right? So, great. Maybe this isn't near as bad as I think it is. And then, and then almost immediately following that feeling, I realized I had no feeling from my waist down. Couldn't feel a thing. Um, so, so now I'm freaking out. Now I'm starting to get scared. And uh, I, um, I start looking around and I'm, I'm, I start yelling for my brother uh, yelling for his friend. Are you still in the car? Yeah. Yeah. I was still trapped in the, uh, in the, in the front passenger seat. Um, 
<clears throat> and we're upside down. I mean, we landed yeah. on the roof. Wow. And uh, so I'm, I'm screaming. Nobody's answering me. So now I'm smelling gas. I'm feeling gas pour out on top of me. Uh, I was like, I got to get out of here. So I'm looking around to see how I can get out of this car. And I noticed that the driver's side door, you know, was wedged open. And uh, so I start crawling for it. I, I mean, I start using my arms and all my upper body strength, and I'm pulling myself out of the, out of the car, dragging my legs behind me, because like I said, I, I could have moved down there. Um, and I remember as soon as I got out of the car, uh, I, I guess it was just fate, whatever you want to call it, but I looked to my left, and I see somebody... I see somebody laying underneath the roof of the car. Um, and, and so I, cr- I crawl myself over there. And, and this is where it gets kind of crazy. But um, I'm laying over top of this person face to face. And they were so badly injured that I couldn't tell if that person was my brother or his friend. Ooh. Um, Man. Like... You know, and imagine that, like, you know, you, you could pick your yeah. brother out of a crowd of a million people. Um, and, and I couldn't. So I'm sitting there and, and now I'm starting to look over him and, and I notice the clothes. And so I realize it's my brother's friend, Nick. Um, and I'm holding his hand and I'm looking around trying to see if anybody's around to, to get help. And um, as I'm doing that, his hand kind of slipped out of my hand and I looked down and and he was I mean, he was gone. Uh, you know, he, he died right there in my hands. Um, so now, now the mindset, you know, even gets more intense. Now I'm, I'm really freaking out. I'm screaming for my brother. Uh, a, a lady who lived right near there, uh, where we crashed had come out of her house and I, man, this lady's name is Janice Miller. And I, I still credit her to this day with saving my life that night. Um, she, uh, she grabbed me and pulled me off to the side of the road, um, and sat there with me while the ambulance and the police and everybody were coming at this point. And, uh, she asked, you know, are you okay? Are you, are you hurt? And I kept telling her, you know, my neck, it's my neck, my neck hurts. Um, so she sat there with me and I, I can still picture her sitting there and had her hands on both sides of my head, just holding it still. Um, this is a lady I've never met before in my life, you know, just doing what she needed to do. Um, the police and, and, and the ambulance, the EMTs had uh, kept coming over and asking me, you know, you know, how many people were in the car, Stephen? How many people were with you? And I kept telling them there's four of us. There's four of us. Nobody's uh, three minutes later. They come back. Stephen, are you sure? I'm like, yes. Uh, the problem was uh, they 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 knew where Nick was. They knew where the driver was, but they couldn't find my brother. Um, he had uh, he had been ejected about ninety feet. Um, they they eventually did find him uh, laying on the side of the road. And uh, I mean, you get thrown ninety feet from a eighty five mile an hour moving car, and and you can imagine, you know, the trauma that your body goes through with that. Um, and so uh, they didn't tell me, they didn't tell me this then at the scene, but uh, my brother had, had also died uh, on the side of the road that day. Um, 
they had loaded me up into the ambulance and got me up to the hospital. Uh, they took me to Lancaster General Hospital in, uh, in Lancaster, PA, which has a great trauma unit. Um, shortly after I got there, uh, you know, they, they realized I had uh, broken my C3, 4, and 5 uh, vertebrae in my neck. Jeez. Um, mm. uh, I had, my face was a nightmare. Uh, and they asked me, um, you know, is there anybody we can call? I'm like, yeah, you know, somebody's got to get a hold of my mom. Uh, so this is where it starts to get really blurry. And I guess be, mostly because of all the pain medication they had started pumping into me by this point. Um, I, the last thing I remember about that night is my mom sitting, standing at the foot of my bed saying, oh my God, Stephen, look at you. Uh, are you okay? And I remember saying to her, mom, you got to find Sean. Uh, and she said, I've been trying to call him the whole way over here. He's not answering his phone. And I said, mom, he was, he was in the car with us. Uh, and, and that literally like, and I, I, I forget everything else about the rest of that night and almost the rest of that week after that because of all the pain meds and everything else. But, uh, they took my mom away and explained to her, you know, what's going on and, and what had happened to my brother. And then, um, you know, the next several days, my mom, my sister, uh, other family that had come in, everybody, everybody had to keep retelling me what had happened because every time I'd pass out from the pain meds, it would almost wipe my slate clean. Um, and, and, and I can't even imagine like, you know, I've thought about this so much over the years, but what that had to be like, you know, for my mom to have to constantly tell me every, every couple hours that my brother was dead. Um, right. You know, it, it was unbelievable. That's an unbelievable woman. That's yeah. Very strong woman. Yeah. I was in the hospital till Friday, so the accident happens, like I said, Sunday. I was in the hospital till Friday, and um, Friday night was my brother's viewing. Saturday was going to be the funeral, and I had to be there. Um, the doctor kept telling me, he's like, Stephen, you know, you can't go. He's like, you're in bad shape. You know, they had just done a fusion of my neck, um, put plates and bolts and screws, and, you know, I'm a man of steel by this point. Uh and uh, I was like, well, listen, I'm, I mean, I'm going. So, you know, hmm. we, we got to figure this out. So they let me, they actually let me go that night um, under obviously care of my family. And they knew that they were going to be there to help take care of me and everything. So they were willing to let me go. And uh, Saturday, you know, I'm in a wheelchair, still have really no movement in my legs. Um, Doctors had told me, you know, you're probably never going to drive again. You know, we're not even sure if you're going to get full mobility back again. Um, Those were all the last things on my mind. Like the the only thing on my mind was getting to my to see my brother. Um, So I left and uh, Saturday, you know, funeral came and in a wheelchair, I I stood up there and and gave his eulogy. Um, And I just felt like I really needed to. I remember uh, my brother and I grew up huge professional wrestling fans, um, and I and I still am to this day. I'm actually going to an event this coming Monday. <laughs> so, who, so are you the NWO fan, or are you? Uh... No, I was a Rock fan. 
The Rock. Okay. Yeah. The Rock. The Rock. All right. All right. Uh, and, and so was my brother. So, but um, you know, I I remember I say that because I remember putting a uh, I had one of those replica championship belts and I remember putting it in his uh, in his coffin with him that night uh, or that day of the funeral, and it was kind of just a a very symbolic thing between the two of us, just with how much we grew up loving that together. But, um, you know, kind of fast forwarding a little bit, uh, the next, the next year I spent in physical therapy, in, um, in counseling, uh, you know, and I say that because I know there is, there's a stigma out there, uh, about going to therapy and getting help and talking to people. And, and I say this because, man, I wouldn't, I don't know how I would have been able to survive all that without it. And if you need that in your life, you know, don't, don't listen to all the stigmas out there. Just go get it. Talk to somebody, um, especially if it's going to help you. You know, at the end of the day, that's what's important. It um, doesn't matter what other people think of it or anything. Just go get the, the help that you need um, with whatever you're dealing with. Um, hey, do you think that uh, – I remember when I had my seizure. Yeah. And- you know, the next three or four months after that and all the doctor's visits, hospital visits and all, everything that went into that, you know, it took me actually deciding that something was wrong with me and that I needed to actually change before anything ever got better. Yeah. Can you can you relate to that kind of having some oh, awareness man. of saying, hey, you know, okay, this is my situation, and but I'm going to choose to make this as best as possible and I'm going to get better. And it's kind of started in your mind is what I'm imagining, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, um, man, I had all my doctors, the surgeons, everybody, every time I went to a doctor, they were giving me business cards for, for, uh, counseling centers in the area. You know, they kept telling me I needed to. And I, for the first couple of weeks, I was like, you know, I, I had that stigma in my head, right? Uh, yeah, you weren't that, ready for uh, it. I wasn't ready to do it. So finally, my mom said, well, if I go with you, you know, the, at least the first couple of times, will you go? And I said, yeah, let's let's go talk to somebody because I mean, man, every day it was just all I did was lay on a hospital bed in my mom's living room, watching movies and crying for yeah. you know six you know for months you know, um, and uh, so so I went through the counseling, um, I went through physical therapy, you know, fast forward a little over a year to November, uh, it would have been November. 11th of 2005. Um, it was a Friday. I graduated from quote unquote graduated from physical therapy. I'm walking, I'm moving my head. Um, you know, things are, are amazing, you know, physically. Um, I'm still in counseling, but it's going well. Like we're talking about everything We're we're getting through everything. Um, and then, uh, that Sunday, uh, I went to bed, um, and I woke up with my sister. My sister had come over that weekend, uh, just to hang out. And, uh, I woke up to her screaming for me in the house and she said, Steven, you know, something's wrong with mom. Mm-hmm. So I ran upstairs to, to my mom's room and she's, I remember she's sitting on the side of the bed and, you know, she, she was having trouble breathing and, and she's you know, holding her chest. And so my sister's on 911. I'm sitting there on the side of the bed with my mom holding her and trying to calm her down and help her breathe. 
And then my mom just collapsed into my lap and and died there. Um, and, uh, you know, we I tried to give her CPR while we were waiting for the EMTs and everything. And, uh, man, it, it, I was panicking. Oh, she, you know, it's... How, and, Stephen, how long ago was this? 2005. Five, yeah. Two years. So, the, I mean, this was over the span of a year and a half that all of this wow. took place. Um, Jeez, man. So, you know, we... It was almost like, man, you know, my dad died. I started picking up the pieces. The accident happened. Started picking up the pieces. Now my mom. And, man, by this point, you know, you know, you talk about Fusick, uh for everyone who said I couldn't. I started being the person who said I couldn't, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, and yeah. yeah. Which is understandable. Yes, yeah, so I mean, most I mean... people have that same <laughs> feeling and nothing tragic's happened in their lives. Right, you exactly. I mean? I mean, some, you know, yeah. Yeah. My wimpy ass feels that way sometimes because yes. I didn't get enough sleep, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, and you're sitting here with this and makes you kind of put things in perspective. Holy cow, man. Yeah, and, um, man, I mean, I was, I, 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 I hate saying it now because I'm not, I'm not in that mindset anymore, but, yeah. man, there were times that week that my mom passed away that I was like, you know, I just want to be with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe I just need to go. And, you know, you start having those thoughts and, uh, man, I was a zombie for the next couple of weeks, I remember. And, um, you know, it was funny because it was, so this is November of 2005, two weeks before Thanksgiving. Uh, and, uh, it was right around that time, actually, you know, that I met, uh, I met my wife, um, we met really that Thanksgiving. We were at my uh, over at uh, her family's house for uh, Thanksgiving dinner. They invited my sister and and our family over because you know they knew we didn't really have anywhere else to go. Um, that's that's, a, that's perfect timing, though. So we I met my wife yeah. and um, who who would become my wife, obviously. Uh, and uh, so things started getting better again. Um, we had a we had a baby. Uh, you know, a year later. Um, in December of 2006. And then again, man, uh, like I said, you, you pick up the pieces and then it falls apart again. In January of 2007, my grandfather, uh, my mom's dad, like I said, who had helped raise us kids, he ended up dying. Um, and, uh, man, it just, you look back on it, it is just the worst horror movie you can imagine. I mean, uh, you know, at this point, and it's crazy, I've done the math on this, but out of our immediate family, really, you know, at this point, we've now buried 90% of our family. Um, And uh, it's, I don't even know, you know, that there are words for it, but, you know, so luckily, thank God, you know, I was, like I said, I'm married. uh, Things are great there. I have my daughter, um, and, and so I used those things to to decide that I needed to to pick up the pieces for real this time and and get on. And it, I had by this point. So this is two years after the accident, or you know, two and a half years. Uh, I was pretty well addicted to the pain medication by this point. Um, yeah, and I, I knew see that yeah. happening. That's something that I would, you know, 
Yeah. And it was it, it was strong pills. I mean, I was on yeah. Oxycontin and everything else, and I decided, like, one day, it was shortly after my grandpa had passed, I just decided I needed to to not only live my life again for for my families now, for my daughter, for my, you know, my wife, but what really was my fusic moment, I guess, right, my my clarity moment, I decided that I needed to live my life. I needed to live a, my brother's life that he never got to live. And, right. you know, here's the 17-year-old kid that had his life taken from him in, you know, while he's getting ready to go to college to play baseball and everything else. Um, and, man, I just said, God, he would be so disappointed if he knew I was just laying here every day being sorry for myself. Um, and so I picked up the pieces and I just... Man, I had sold my business by this point because, I, like I said, I was so far out of it physically, I just couldn't do it anymore. But uh, I answered a job ad at AIG American General, and I went in for my job interview that day, and I met Dave Adams. This is 06? Yeah. Oh. And uh, that is where our friendship, our our you know, career bond started. Um, you know, he got me into this business and trained me and mentored me. And man, I credit him with everything I know about, about our, our business. Um, and we worked together for a number of years over there. And then the, you know, the, the market dropped out obviously in 2008, uh, AIG was all over the news. So we kind of scattered, um, you know, Dave went, uh, it was shortly after that, you know, a couple of years later, Dave was ended up at American General, uh, or I'm sorry, at Colonial. And um, I had been uh, recruiting at a college by this point. Uh, you know, in my time in the Navy, I didn't really mention this, but I was a Navy recruiter. So it was a kind of a natural transition for me. Um, became the number one college recruiter there. Uh, and things were going great. And then, um, man, last year, well, 2016, yeah. Uh, you know, I lost my position there at the school and I picked up the phone and I called Dave and, uh, I said, Hey man, let's get together and talk. Cause he had been wanting me to come work with him again for years. So the timing was, was right. You know, I, I picked up the pieces and, uh, from, from losing my job at the school and, and went there and became a DGA, had a great successful run at it. Um, loved what I was doing. Uh, and, uh, and then, as you know, if you've listened to the podcast guy, and I know you guys, but anybody that's listened to the podcast, um, you know, knows what happened to Dave, uh, in about a year ago now, yeah. um, he had, uh, come to me and once we found out his condition, uh, you know, we had talked and obviously he needed help at the territory level with the territory team. And he asked me if I would step back from being a DGA, uh, you know, and, and come in and help. And, you know, man, Dave's been one of my best friends forever. And, and not only has he done a lot for me personally, he's done a lot for me professionally. And I didn't even really think a lot, a lot about it. And I just, I did it. Uh, I took the step and became his recruiter. Um, and it's been great. You know, we've been, we've been killing it on the recruiting side in the territory and everything. And Dave's back now and things are really good as far as, uh, as work goes. Um, I just yesterday uh, got promoted to senior recruiter up here. 
Nice, um, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you for that. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Uh, so things are going well. Um, but I would say, you know, kind of tying all this back, you know, <clears throat> man, you look at that few years that I went through and a lot of people, you know, and I do speeches for Mothers Against Drunk Driving now. I, I've been a victim advocate with them since since 05. Um, every time I go to do one of those speeches, you know, somebody comes up to me and they're like, Stephen, how are you not laying in an alley drinking out of a, a brown paper bag? Uh, you know. <laughs> it's a fair uh, question, Steve. Yeah. If anybody and, had an excuse, there's yeah. one right there yeah. to do that. And, uh, you know, I like I said, I just found it in myself to, and my, my thing was living for my brother. I had to live a life for him. And so anybody, yeah. my message to everybody else is whatever you're going through, um, you know, first of all, get help if you need it, right? Don't be afraid of, of asking for help and talking to somebody because uh, that changed my whole life, being able to do that. Um, but find that one thing that means something to you. Find something to hold on to. And like I said, for me, it was my brother. But whatever it is for you out there that that is that special to you that you want to live for, find that and grab hold of it and don't let go of it um, because... Man, if I can pick up the pieces from all of that, I'm no, I'm not, you know, I love Superman. I'm a huge Superman fan, but I'm not Superman. Uh, I, uh, I'm just a, an average guy who decided I wanted to live and, and not crawl up in a ball and die in a corner. Um, and so anybody can do it if they really set their mind to it and want to do it. That's right. Hey, Steven. My favorite Bible verse is Philippians 2.14, which is just simply do everything without complaining. Yeah. And, man, it just, I think you kind of defy that because if anybody had anything to complain about in the world and, you know, and, and kind of like she said, being in an alley, drinking something, I mean, that that's you. And I just want to say, you know, one, thank you for your service in the military. Thank you. Thank um, you. And, and two, you know, Unbelievable story, man. Unbelievable courage, unbelievable mindset, just how you can show that the mind is more powerful than anything else in the world. And and if you decide that you want to do something, if you decide you want to change your mindset, if you decide that, hey, I'm going to get through this, then you will. And yeah. if you decide you're not, and if you don't make that decision, then, then you won't, right? Absolutely. And it's just a matter of how fast you can get to that point and, uh, before it's too late. And so I just want to say I applaud you for that and just unbelievable. I don't even have a recap at all. Um, <laughs> the story is just we're going to title this the perspective, you know, podcast and um, just unbelievable. And last thing we would ask is I'm guessing it would probably be just what you said, but what I know TJ is going to have a recap. But what what's the one advice, one small, quick piece of advice that you would give a 22 year old uh, just graduating college? And what, what would you say to him if you could say? Yeah. One thing? Um. I guess the, the main thing I would say is tell the people that you love that you love them. Um, you know, every day, you know, I think especially at that age, that 20, 21, 22 year old person, um, you get filled with a lot of crap in your head, I think at that age. And, uh, you, you leave your house and you go out to the bar with your buddies and you don't tell your, your mom, you love her, or you don't tell your dad, you know, call every day and tell them do that, you know, because, man, if I could have one more day to, to just 
give my dad, my mom, my brother a big hug and tell them I love them. And I would, I'd give anything for that. Uh, and, and the other thing is if, if you, even if you feel yourself that you can't do something, trust me, if you look deep enough inside of yourself, you'll find the strength to do it. And, uh, you just have to believe in yourself. Even if, even if nobody around you is believing in you, find it in yourself to, to pick up the pieces because, man, you know, I'm, I have, like I said, uh, I got married right after that time and. I had a daughter and now I have a son who, by the way, again, uh, <laughs> back to my, my fascination with, uh, with Superman over the years, but I actually named him Clark. Uh, nice. that's how bad my fascination <laughs> is. Man. <laughs> uh, that's great. but, uh, you know, even, even though Batman's better, I mean, it's, well, great. we're going to have to talk about that someday. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, if you have another boy, you're going to name him Bruce. Ah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Versus Superman. That'd be funny. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. But, uh, but yeah, man, just yeah. tell the people you love, you love them. Uh, it's, it, it literally, at the end of the day, that's what matters is family and your friends and everything else around you will, will take care of itself. If you have the right mindset, uh, in the rest of your life. Thanks, man. TJ, you got anything to I was going to ask uh, about your children and, uh, uh, you, you said it, you had two. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm sure your daughter was a big, uh, was a big blessing. Uh, around that time yeah. too, to build you up and you know living through living through your brother uh, I'm sure he he pushes you every day and also living through them you know absolutely uh, and having that relationship that you had with your parents and you and you and your wife have that same with your children I'm sure that that's a big part of your your priorities and your why yeah yeah you know, and uh, I tell people all the time I just want to be I want to be half the parent to them that my yeah. parents were to me. And, um, and you're right, you know, having my daughter, you know, it was a big part of me making the realization I needed to change. And, and even my niece, my niece was born, man, I didn't even mention this earlier, but my niece, uh, my sister's daughter was born a week and a half before the crash. Um, so, you know, even having her there after the crash really helped me a lot. Absolutely. Well, uh, Steve and I, I um, when these types of things happen, and, and Craig knows this, uh, I get a little bit of speechless, and I'm speechless right now, and I don't want to ramble uh, to ramble. Uh, I just want to let you know that um, you're a, a huge inspiration for me and for many other people, and uh, I hate that you had to go, to go through this because it, uh, it shouldn't have to be that way. Some things happen uh, and, and you, you take a path of, to make it uh, righteous and, and great or you take a path on, on going down an avenue that, you, that people don't want to go down. So uh, right. uh, it's awesome that you're a part of this company uh, and you're, you are, you're an amazing dude, man. So thank I, you for being on this podcast and, and where, where can the listeners find you, Stephen? Man, I'm a social media junkie, so they can find me all over nice. there. Um, <laughs> I have my Facebook is Stephen P, uh, as in Peter Stone. So Stephen P Stone. I'm on uh, LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram, Snapchat, all over. And then um, you know, obviously, my colonial email address is sstone at coloniallife.com. Um, you know, if anybody wants to reach out, if anybody's going through anything, and you just need somebody to talk to, uh, let me know, man. I, I I, I do the, the Mothers Against Drunk Drivers thing to be able to 
share my brother's story so that, you know, maybe he didn't have to die in vain. And anybody I can help with that, I'd be happy to. That's, that's, awesome, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Hey, you're an inspiration, buddy. Thank you. Thank you guys, guys so much. You got, you got some new gear out there at uh, .us. Um Go check it out. Um, send us your email. Send us your Fusic story. We can't wait to hear more. Steven, thank you. Thank you, Steven. Love y'all. Love you guys. See you later. Thank you, guys. You Have later. a great Bye-bye. day. Fusic, a podcast for everyone who said I couldn't.